Alright, everybody, welcome to the November 9th edition of Cascadian Views. It's Dan and I again. We've got uh, election results from across the country, including quite a bit local. Um, Portland had some stuff on the measure that I didn't talk, or had some measures on the ballot that I didn't talk about going into it because they were largely unopposed. Um, mm-hmm. th- there was some changes, I guess, in local government in that Lake Oswego, uh, one of our wealthier suburbs, is pulling out of a publicly financed uh, footbridge from it across uh, the Willamette River. They don't want to do that anymore after some elections in town. Probably to you know keep the poor people out. It's not a car bridge. It's a foot and bike bridge only. Uh, but other than that, there was absolutely nothing contentious uh, in Oregon. Up in Washington, it was very much the opposite. Yeah, we had, you know, well, some very hotly contested uh, local, uh, I guess, municipal elections, particularly in Seattle, and two initiatives that I guess with later balloting, one of them is extremely close still, and the other is, well, going the wrong way and still has more than, uh, probably too much of a gap to make up. Yeah, the... um... Initiative 1000, uh, which was R88, very confusing whole scheme going on there. But mm-hmm. there's only 10,000 votes uh, between the two sides in that right now. Yeah, it's been – I think it's traded a little bit too. Is it uh, – is the yes is still on top or has that gone back and forth again? No, no's are on top now. Uh, mm-hmm. No's are on top 50.3 to yes at 49.7. Um the big block of votes from King County came in on Friday that pushed it into the lead very briefly. In fact, only yeah. for about 20 minutes. By the time those those votes were counted at 3:30, by the time four o'clock rolled around, more votes had come in and was back to being behind. Uh. Been ahead since then, uh, and they're they're running out of King County votes. Uh, there are plenty of votes coming from the suburbs of King County. Even mm-hmm. like what in other metro areas I consider like an interior suburb, uh, like uh, Tacoma in, in Peace yeah. County, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and these counties, which I would expect to back a measure like that, are actually rejecting it. It's only King County proper that's keeping it. Yeah. I mean, I think the only ones statewide where it was positive, I think, was, yeah, just. King, uh, Whatcom, and San Juan, and just barely in Whatcom, from what I recall. Yeah, it's it's so weird to me because Tacoma is in, Tacoma in particular, much less so than maybe the the richer northern suburbs. But Tacoma's, you know, it, it's it's Seattle's Oakland. You know, if, if yeah. Seattle were the San Francisco in there, or it's New York City's Newark. It, it's a, a, a suburb that's so interior and so well-developed itself that I can't imagine it voting differently than the city it kind of orbits around. But that is not the case here. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a different political culture when you get that far south, sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah, look at that. That's that's a pretty stark difference from what you see just a little bit further north in Seattle. Of course, I'm looking, you know, you look at the totality of Pierce County, that does include an awful lot of... uh, you know, territory that goes further south, I mean, that's most of the way to Olympia. And that's, I mean, you get much further south than Tacoma itself. And you're, you're getting into the sticks a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, the Snohomish County is rejecting it uh, like 60% against, uh, 40% yeah. in favor. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really only King County that's keeping in the fight, and they are pretty much out of King County votes. Yeah, let's see here. They're down to, wow, yeah, that's hardly anything left. That's, you know, rounding error at this point, just 6,000 or so to go. Yeah. So that, that may very well do it. I'm here with the large portions left. There's more in Skagit, more in Spokane. Let's see. A little bit in Thurston and Yakima. Yeah, I. Yakima's the biggest prize left, I think. Skagit and Yakima and Spokane are all fluttering around 9,000. Thurston's yeah. much farther south. It's going to be hard to get back up and over. I mean, it's very close, closer than I was expecting it to be, but that yeah, is a bummer. Just looking at, there's still 90,000 estimated ballots to be counted. Only 6,000 of them are in King County. That's where really the only substantial yeah. Uh, so it, it, it looks like it's going to get buried pretty pretty decisively. At the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even going to be close enough for a recount, I would wager, yeah. once that's all in. And uh, kind of on the, the opposite side of that, uh, the car tabs measure went down in a, a huge uh, landslide, it seemed like. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. That is going to gut, you know, both state DOT and a lot of municipalities and the funds that they use for maintaining transportation. So it's going to get really ugly. Uh, well, I see that uh, the city of Seattle has actually already uh, filed a lawsuit to enjoin enforcement of the new law. So we'll I mean, see. On what grounds? Let's see here. Car tabs lawsuit. Call me skeptical, but that really—if did they identify any problems with it in the lead up to the election? That really sounds like a I don't want this, so I'm suing lawsuit. Oh sure. Well, I mean that's kind of. I mean that's what they end up doing a lot of times, even when by horrible accident, you know, in the past, Iman's gotten things passed. Let's see here. What? See if there's any statement here from Durkin. Uh. Oh, well, this is a Fox affiliate, so they're just having Iman's quotes there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Anything that actually has either Durkin or Constantine on why they're – let's see. Okay. City attorney Pete Holmes says the initiative has fairly obvious legal problems. The city will file a joint complaint. Uh Rob McKenna says so that's nonsense. He doesn't actually identify them? Yeah, at least not in the article here. Uh, <laughs> okay, our Supreme Court has invalidated Tim Iman measures in the past for violating single subject. Uh, let's see here. I guess... The measures no, seem think. pretty single subject to me. Yeah, $30 car tabs. More than $30. Yeah. Now, wasn't there anything, though, about limiting future revenues or something like that without... Let's see here. Hmm. Not sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much faith in that lawsuit. I'll just yeah. I'll put it at that. Uh, find something that he might have fucked up. We'll see. The uh, the Seattle Times is stoking a statehood movement for King County over this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, God, trying to drive through Seattle even now is absolutely miserable i mean if you're trying to take a ferry across the sound even or 
and, you know, catch a bus in the area, follow the transportation system. I mean, you compare what you all have down there with uh, with the Max and TriMet to what we've got up here in Seattle, and it's it's ridiculous. It's not even comparable. See, uh, uh, we very much view it uh, the other way around. We very really? much view Seattle as having a serious transit system and the Max and especially the massive cuts to bus service that have gone on in the last like 15 years has been absolutely ridiculous. Whereas wow. Seattle's been expanding their bus network. Max trains have some problems. For one, it's getting much hotter in the summertime than it used sure. to be. And uh, when it gets over 90 degrees, they have to go half speed for, huh? for safety. Yeah. The, wow. the metal expansion and uh, how it works with friction and how that cuts into their stopping times. Yeah. To maintain safety, when it's more than 90 degrees, they have to be going at half speed. Also, they can't run when there's ice uh, on the overhead lines. So that means in really hot weather and oh. really cold weather, the trains just get incredibly fucked up. They run into cars downtown all the no time. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. The, the train tracks are on street level running on surface streets through downtown. They're slow as hell through downtown because they have to stop mm -hmm. for all the, the street traffic and whatnot. And they hit cars constantly, like once a week. And everything stops, and they have to build the bus bridge between the east side and the west side because trains can't go through downtown anymore because there's an accident scene. Shit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, whereas Seattle, I, from what I understand, your trains run okay. Uh, at, at the very least, they're new. They're brand cause, new. Yeah. So, yeah. Weather doesn't cause them problems. And also, uh, you guys have added like a couple hundred buses over the last few years and yeah. have expanded uh, bus service and bus frequency a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, we view your system as much more homogenous. And Seattle is very commonly pointed to as like the counterpoint to what are we doing wrong here in Portland? The transit no advocates will point to Seattle. Wow. Grass is greener because, man, I've never – well, I, I guess uh, I probably hit the sweet spot of you know whenever I go down to Portland, it must be you know kind of the right time to do that then because, yeah, I've never really experienced anything to make me complain about you know the max at all. But, yeah, Seattle, I don't know if it's – maybe it's just we're failing to keep up or something because our whole transit system just – well, at least for cars, just completely shuts down. Mm. Yeah. You know, everything just locks up, you know, when the Boeing shifts change, it just, you can't go anywhere and you get stuck. I mean, I've complained about this on Facebook multiple times in recent months because I've had a lot of business taking me back and forth, commuting past the city. And yeah, you can take what should be an hour and a half trip and it'll go four and a half hours, depending on the time of day you're doing it. It's just madness. I, I really miss um, the, the Bay Area transit system. Uh, and it's it's a weird thing because you'd normally you'd think it's terribly complicated. There are like ten different intersecting agencies there. Like you've got the Muni Rail, you've got the Muni buses, you've got Caltrain, you've got Bart, uh, you've got the the trolley car system, you've got the Muni. I already mentioned the Muni buses. You've got the uh, AC Transit buses. You got the Sam Trans buses. You got the Contra Costa buses uh, over when you get to Concord and all that. There's just so many of them. Except everything works together really, really seamlessly, and the these systems all just balance each other out. And it's a lot like London, where there's 
you know, just a million different train systems and all that, but they all work through the card and shit. And you're not even really aware of it as a, a consumer. Um, and I, I much prefer that compared to like what we have here where TriMet just runs the entire system. And I, I don't think that works very well. Yeah. Huh. Now, I, I don't know how it works in Seattle there. Is, is Sound Transit like in charge of everything? I, I'm not entirely sure on that. You know, I do think at least, you know, the trains and buses are all within Sound Transit. Uh, but, I mean, there's a separate, you know, DOT for, you know, covering ferries between, you know, West Seattle and City Proper. Uh, and then, of course, the Peninsula. Um, those have also been hit pretty hard by past diamond initiatives, you know, delaying replacement of ferries and things like that. So there's a lot of interest in fighting this if there's any way that we can, because just uh, the misery is just going to be compounded. Like I, I said, the top article on the Seattle Times front page is actually an op-ed from their traffic lab section called The State of King to Achieve yeah. the Last Transit Dream. It's time for King County to go it alone. <laughs> And uh, the, the uh, caption underneath the picture is Tim Iman's $30 car tab measure, which will lead to cuts in mass transit as passed statewide, but not in King County. Yeah, it's know, just a giant argument that it's time for King County to say fuck you. I, I bet Iman would fucking love that anyway. <laughs> he really would. It's a win-win for him. Oh, man, that is wild. <laughs> Uh, the other races are, are in Seattle proper that we're going to talk about. Uh, Amazon, uh, and the business community in general, but Amazon really in particular, right. made a, a big boost to several candidates and walked away with only a couple seats, it looks like. It's looking like almost snake eyes for them, really, especially since you know Sawant was the big scalp they were going for, and it looks like she's come out just fine. Yeah, uh, she got a huge boost through Friday, put her very narrowly ahead, and then late on Friday, most of the rest of it came in, put her uh, over 1,500 votes ahead, I believe. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's that could very well be outside of recount territory as well, I think, now that... Uh... There are still more ballots than that left to count in her district, but the, yeah. the trend has been pretty clear for the late arriving ballots. I mean, she was right. down by eight points at the start of this. Exactly, and she just came roaring back. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was uh, I mean, quite a turnaround, you know. And it caught a lot of people by surprise. My Northwest was already writing her obituary. I mean, <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, they had like they, a five best moments from Kshama Sawant's tenure. I, I think they've been writing her obituary for a few years now, or at least <laughs> hoping to. <laughs> yeah, they, they were absolutely breaking out the trumpets, and, and oh, yeah. it, it turned around and they had to pull everything down. It was kind of hilarious to watch. <laughs> That's pretty great. I mean, <laughs> whatever you think of Kashama Sawan, you know, seeing those guys pissed off is awesome. <laughs> so what I was what I was looking at showed two of the Amazon back uh, contests still in the lead. You you were saying it was now zero as of the latest dump. I think. Well, no, they've still got one where they've got. Uh, let's see here. I think it was the uh, da, 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 the Scott. fourth fourth district they were hoping yeah. and that they're still there's still a lead of about five points for the more uh i guess moderate to uh you know seattle moderate seattle conservative candidate is leading by about five points yeah. 
That was a big jump. Yeah. He was down at at forty two percent on election Yeah, that was like a yeah, it was a good 15, 16 point gap, which is narrowed considerably. So, yeah, it's this uh, phenomenon of you know the lefty vote coming in at the very end, which uh, you know I guess has been a phenomenon that uh, has helped Sawant in the past and is. Uh, Born out again, and I think we've seen it in other areas as well. I think you know California. We had a lot of races that slowly tilted our way as more and more ballots came in uh, last year for Congress. Um, not exactly sure why that is. Why the more liberal voters wait until the very end, but apparently they do. I mean, maybe we're not supposed to say it, but it's because liberals in general are are much less put together in general. I mean. <laughs> single mothers and people who work night sure. shifts and you know people hold down two or three jobs because you know the system's bearing down on their neck like yeah. the poor the oppressed the unwashed masses that is kind of our gotta base. get that vote in yeah, yeah 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 oh that's been on the on the table for a while gotta go take that yeah, to, yeah. If, if you work a white collar job you know nine to five wear a suit to work and you know drive home to your house in the suburbs every night you have plenty of time to go drop it yep. off whenever uh, when you're Balancing four kids and two jobs in public transit, it, it's a little bit harder. And it, it speaks to the real beauty of uh, mail-in balloting that those votes are able to come in. Because, again, if you have just a single day to do it, those people don't get to vote. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So it actually allows you know folks with a little bit – you know the, the tighter schedule, the things that – all the other pressures that come with uh, – I guess your your life not being so easy, it gives you at least a chance to Absolutely. get your yeah. So you know, the vote by mail states that have such impressive voter like participation, it's mm-hmm. exactly evidence of that. Yeah, make it nationwide. You know, honestly. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll stretch your legs outside of the Northwest and go to the other off year contest, which. We're really a smorgasbord. There were races all across the country in various places. Mm-hmm. The main focus of the night, because they were probably the most winnable for Democrats, was the Virginia legislature. Every seat uh, yep. in the, the House and the Senate was up. Uh, there was Kentucky statewide races, where we put a lot of effort and money and really a lot of our heart and soul into a, a challenger in that one. We really ignored the rest of the statewide races, and it shows. Um, yeah. If you were a Democrat who was not named Bashir that night, you likely lost by about 100,000 votes. Uh, but Bashir, God bless him, uh, eked out that win. Uh, we now have Democratic control over Kentucky. It continues a streak Mac Bevin was pointing to in celebration before the election, thinking he was going to break it. But Kentucky has uh, not, under modern election rules, going back like a century, Reelected or elected two Republicans in a row. Wow. No, no Republican governor has ever won re-election, and no Republican governor has ever followed a Republican. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Damn. Huh. Also, a Republican was elected to the attorney general spot for the first time uh, since Reconstruction. Yeah. I mean, apart from Bevin, I mean, it's pretty much the Trumpiest state besides of uh, besides like West Virginia, really, when you get down to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Matt Bevin himself is just so unbelievably unpopular and so obnoxious that even even the harsh, harsh partisan lean of that state was not allowed was not enough to save him. I mean, even Trump himself showing up 
the day before the election and saying, you, you got to vote for this guy, you know, otherwise I'm going to look bad. Y'all love me, so vote for this guy. Didn't get him over the hump. My favorite know. response to that, there was a piece going uh, to that, you know, questioning the Trump rally's help. And they interviewed one of the voters, and his thought was, I can't believe Trump is standing with this guy. This guy's yeah. an asshole. Why doesn't Trump cut him loose? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was from one of Trump's voters. The other th- observation I saw was, you know, there had to be a substantial number of voters who think Obama is literally the Antichrist, and they had to be voting against Matt Bevin. People who worship Donald Trump. Had to be voting for, uh, for for Bashir, which <laughs> is pretty wild if you think about it. Like how awful the guy is. Yeah, well, I mean, Bashir also, to his credit, the the turnout in the cities would not have been enough to save him. One of the mm-hmm. things that really put him over the hump was, for the first time in a long time, he turned um, ancestral Democrats in mm-hmm. Cole County into actual Democratic voters. He, he won coal counties in the, the rural eastern part of the state, Appalachia, uh, like Democrats used to win them 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And, and that's, it, yeah, it, it was a kind of a swan song to how politics used to be in Kentucky, you know, in the, the 60s and the 70s. They, mm-hmm. they came home for Bashir, and he, he's winning by like 6,000 votes. Those are the votes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that's really keeping the margins down in those areas or not just keeping them down, but getting them going the way we need, uh, really that makes all the difference there. Yeah. So, I mean, and it was definitely not, you know, him playing well with rural voters because he tanked hard with the rural voters in the West, Mm -hmm. the farm country part of the state. It was, it was the rural voter in Appalachia. It was the, the coal miner who 50 years ago was a Democrat, but has voted Republican for every election since, you know, Richard Nixon. Yeah, the the, ju- the justified extras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was also elections in Virginia. Like I said, every seat in the legislature, Democrats uh, swamped the vote. Yeah, absolutely. We now, we now control every lever of power in the state of Virginia, uh, and we do that going into redistricting. It will be this legislature that redistricts the state of Virginia, and it will be this, well, I don't think it will be governor that signs it but this governor mm-hmm. would be the one to stop it and it's going to be a democrat also ralph northam yeah. probably should have resigned now possibly the most consequential democratic governor in the in the country oh yeah well i mean he's he's sticking around for two more years well he couldn't he couldn't resign i mean they were going to if he was going to go there was no way fairfax could stay and then the question is whether or not the attorney general could stay in office as well cuz he basically did the same thing so yeah at that point people just had to be uh what's the term i'm thinking of here pragmatic and go well he did this thing 30 years ago but it's either that or turn turn the executive branch over to republicans which was absolutely not going to be acceptable and not what the voters intended to do but yeah it's kind of a sucky situation (laughs) yeah no it it was a weird state but uh democrats are are firmly in power when the more impressive moments there was a rematch in the race that went to drawing lots last time and the democrat won by about 10 points this time yeah instead of getting screwed out of pulling a name out of a hat um, 
They're also uh, apparently the Democrats in the state ran on a promise to uh, pass the the Equal Rights Amendment, which would right. ratify it, except for the fact that there was a sunset provision in the law that's now elapsed, and some states that did ratify it have now revoked it, and that's probably going to be false. Yeah, Supreme Court fight, presumably another fight to actually get the statute changed in Congress if the composition of Congress can be changed. That's a possibility. I mean, it's it's a new frontier that we can certainly hope for. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting to actually kind of have that fight. Yeah. Uh, there was also legislative elections in New Jersey where it was kind of a, a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. Republicans picked up seats in the, the Senate and I think overall picked up seats in the Assembly. Uh, but Democrats did flip a couple seats and I don't think they, they lost overall control or anything. So there was that. Uh, a lesser known story that I was following and nobody else seemed at all interested in, that the Libertarians got themselves a DA in upstate New York. Yeah. So like you were saying, probably the uh, highest ranking libertarian office holder in the country now i'm pretty sure like i don't think they have anybody above the the school board level like as of mm -hmm. now they used to have some city councilors but i think those all like were eliminated a couple years back yeah yeah so yeah uh that's that's an impressive gain for them it was a three-way race i don't actually know that much about it i don't know what made it a three-way race i don't know why the libertarian was in play um, but I, I did, I noticed that race popped up and I, I followed it to the end and yep, the libertarian won with, sure. uh, with about 38% of the vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there was also a governor's election in Mississippi probably should have been competitive if this were a normal time. It's a statewide Democrat who has been elected multiple times before by like 10%. In his previous races, he's a former, I believe, Secretary of State. Uh, he he lost to the Republican because it's Mississippi. It's two thousand. Yeah, these these races have increasingly become just nationalized, and so you know, you don't stand with Trump, then you don't have a chance in Trump country. I mean that it doesn't seem I, I, that it flows as well the other way. I mean, we still have a handful of Republican governors in some extremely liberal states Massachusetts, like Massachusetts, Maryland, Maryland Aunt. Yeah. Uh, and some of that is the political culture. I mean, Massachusetts, you know, typically they like to elect Republican governors as a check on the Democratic legislature. Yeah, I was going to say, there's only been like, like three the Democratic governors in the last like 30, 80 years or something like that there. Exactly. But Maryland, that's a bit off, and also a bit strange that he got reelected too. Because even in uh, gosh, what was this guy? The guy before O'Malley, you know, was a one and done, who tried to come back but could not. And but yeah, now this uh, fellow Hogan, who pitches himself as a more moderate Republican, but at the end of the day, is still a Republican. Was it uh, ever was confirmed last that uh, Carsetti was based on? Uh on O'Malley. Uh, David Simon used to play pretty coy about it, but in more recent years, and especially now that O'Malley is not in office anymore, uh, he basically says, yeah, Carcetti's a couple of guys, but he's mostly O'Malley. Okay. Yeah. I was always 
curious about that. Uh-huh. Um, there were a, a smattering of other local elections around the country. Um, we we picked up some city councils in Kansas. I didn't expect anybody huh. uh, seeing coming our way, which continues the slow trend of Kansas flirting with elected electing Democrats. Yeah, uh, they did that a little bit during the late Bush administration too. Yeah, Sibelius and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they seem to be sending some to Congress and the governorship. And I'm, I know it's been like, a, you know, what's going on with Kansas mm-hmm. for a long time. But I, I'm starting to believe in maybe a little bit of a shift in Kansas. Maybe. I mean, well, they've had some abysmal Republican governance. So if anything's going to shake him out of it, you'd hope it would be that. I mean, Brownbeck was just such a disaster from start to finish. But, you know, he got reelected anyway because, you know, he was up in 2014, which was a massively Republican year. So even as unpopular as he was and running against, I believe he was running as independent, he still managed to get back for a second term. Let me actually tie that in terms of ridiculous Republican governance back to Kentucky for a second because I forgot one of the big subtext of this election um, Kentucky actually leaves whether or not felons get to vote up to the governor. It's, yeah. it's a, a quirk of their law. Bevin, with a pinstroke, eliminated former felons from voting, just like Bashir's father, with a pinstroke, empowered for, uh, former felons for voting. Bashir had pledged to reenact that pretty much day one when he got into office. So that's a, a couple hundred thousand people in Kentucky who are going to be able to vote for the next governor. I just right. want well, to that, throw that out there. That and, uh, I mean, the other big thing that he was going to be able to do, I think, on day one was uh, get rid of a lot of uh, Bevin's more grotesque and onerous uh, requirements on Medicaid, being eligible for Medicaid. Uh, so He was going to bring back Connect, which was uh, Kentucky's exactly. much beloved implementation of the Affordable Care Act, which yep. is, is, by the way, a little irony of history, a lot of blue states don't really have very well-implemented Affordable Care Act solutions at all. Mm-hmm. Oregon's was a fucking quagmire that we ended up paying $600 million to Oracle for and then suing them. <laughs> I mean, just, we bumbled it completely. But in a lot of deep red states that you would expect to be, you know, inherently kind of resistant to that idea, like Connect in Kentucky, their marketplace that has, like, literally sky-high approval ratings, or at least used to, or Bevan dismantled it. And and West Virginia, where, you know, Manchin ran in the one of the Trumpiest states in the country and won basically on the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, protecting it, sure. Uh, it, it's a little bit of an irony of history how much the Affordable Care Act has impacted politics in red states, but not nearly so much in blues. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of the red states are poor and that's i mean that that's the real cruelty in a lot of places too i mean like there's so many people who could be helped by things like the medicaid expansion in texas for instance but because there is a narrow but consistent persistent you know republican majority for you know governors and a gerrymandered you know pretty much installed majority in the legislature for republicans uh it just doesn't happen. It can't happen. And so many, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of people that could be helped aren't. It's awful. And I guess we'll move on from the elections towards um, the televised now impeachment hearings. 
two networks I've seen sign up to carry the impeachments uh, in their totality, impeachment hearings in their totality, no commercials, no interruptions. Uh, the BBC and PBS, I don't know if any of CBS, ABC, or any of the American networks have signed on to that yet, but it will be televised. You will be able to watch all of this very soon. I believe they start this coming week. Yeah, get some some of that Watergate nostalgia going. Yeah, break out the popcorn. Um, in preparation for this, Democrats have been releasing the testimony from closed-door meetings uh, and depositions that they've taken to kind of lay the groundwork for these public hearings. Uh, there's been some fireworks for that. Um, Northwest native, because nobody can seem to agree if he's from Portland or Seattle. Uh, hotelier <laughs> Sondland, Kevin Sondland, uh, who bought his way into an ambassadorship uh, with the help of over a million dollars of donations to the Trump transition, uh, has revised his testimony after reading everybody else's released testimony where, uh, well, he was the only one carrying water. And yeah. they all threw Trump under the bus. So he changed his testimony to be like, oh, wait, I suddenly remember Trump did all this bad shit you guys asked me about. <laughs> I really don't want to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Sondland had been the one that Republicans had pointed to who said there was no quid pro quo. Um, he now includes the lie there was a quid pro quo in his uh, revisions to this testimony. Yeah. So this is going to be fire. Uh, the, the kind of downside to that is the Republicans have made some staff shuffles across committees. They've got some troublemakers on uh, the committees that need to sit for intelligence now. They have somebody who can throw some bombs at the witnesses. They're also requesting both Hunter and Joe Biden appear as witnesses in this. Jesus I'm Christ. not really sure how. Uh, they're not investigating anything with the Bidens. The Bidens are, you know, a crux of the whole story, but nothing they did it was people trying to do things to them. Right. Well, it's, you know, trying to make it into a clown show. That's really all they're trying to do is make the proceedings as ridiculous as they can and I'm not even sure. I don't think they're going to be permitted to subpoena the Bidens anyway. So I, I really don't know how they're going to get there. They've included them on their witness list that they, oh, Jesus. they get to call as the minority. Oh, my God. Uh, yikes. I, I wouldn't even ask. I, I, <laughs> that's relevant. You know, uh. They're just trying to cloudy it. They're trying to make it a, a dueling narrative where there's, you know, two sides and you can either pick this side or the other side. Trump um, is all about fighting corruption. And he was just, you know, so tell us how corrupt you are, Hunter Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Every accusation is a confession. If, yes. If Trump is, is investigating corruption, it's because he's being corrupt. Right. Absolutely. That is exactly it. Yeah, it's it's unreal how true that that completely holds across mm. nearly everything. Yeah. Well, should be some interesting hearings anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to them. We'll probably talk about them at length uh, next mm. week. Uh, check out PBS. I'm sure C-SPAN will have it too. Um, but PBS will be on your television dial if you don't have cable. They you know have an antenna. You can pick them up. I promise you there's a PBS station in your area. They will have the, the hearings in full, no commercial interruptions. If you do have cable, the BBC News will be doing the same as well. Check mm -hmm. the news for 
the American networks, I imagine they'll be doing some extended coverage of this. They just, as far as I've seen, haven't announced it. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good week, Dan. Absolutely. Talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.